Father, we thank you today that it is a new day. It is a new season. So we look to the Holy Ghost, our teacher and our guide. Teach us, minister to us today. We give you praise, Lord God, for all that you've done and all you are doing in our lives. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray and all said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated and I have a message for you this morning called, The King is Looking for You. Today's sermon is about a man with a very difficult name to pronounce. His name is Mephibosheth. His name means dispeller of shame. You see, when Mephibosheth was just five years old, his father Jonathan and his grandfather, King Saul, were killed on Mount Gilboa while fighting the Philistines. In fact, King Saul and all three of his sons died on that fateful day. Mephibosheth, you see, was born into royalty and he was destined for the throne. But when Saul and Jonathan died, it seemed like all hope was gone for him. Now in the Eastern culture of that particular day, when a king died, there was a a new person to take the throne. And oftentimes what would happen, the new king, which would have been David, would often go out and kill anyone else that might be a threat to the throne. And I want to pick it up in 2 Samuel chapter 4 and verse 4. And let's see what happened to Mephibosheth. You know, if you can say Mephibosheth three times at the end of this service, we're going to give you a free CD of this message. Second Samuel chapter 4 and verse 4. And Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame in his feet. He was five years old when the news came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass, as she made haste to flee, that he fell and became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. So when Mephibosheth's nurse heard about the death of the king, she grabbed Jonathan, or she grabbed Mephibosheth, and she began running with him. But in her haste, she dropped him and broke both of his ankles, making him a cripple for life. Why was she on the run? Because she was fearful that the rest of Jonathan's household would be completely annihilated. She believed the lies that King Saul had told them about David, that he was the cause of Israel's problems. And so the nurse quickly traveled with Mephibosheth to a place far away named Lodabar. I was thinking about it this morning. Lodabar almost sounds like Lodi. Lodabar was a place of no account. Literally, the word Lodabar means pastureless. It means a wasteland. In other words, there was nothing there in Lodabar. Living in exile. Now I want to stop right here and say this. That your location does not change your identity. No matter where you are in life, Always remember, you are an heir of God, and you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You have been made unto God as a king and a priest, because you have been washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So he's living in Lodabar, but he's still royalty. How many of you know it's not where you are that matters? It's who you are and whose you are that really matters. Have I got any heirs of God here today? Have I got any joint heirs with Jesus Christ? I just want to remind you for a few moments who you are in Christ. You are not the rejected. You are the accepted and the beloved. You are not incomplete even though it may seem like you're having a load of our experience in your life. You are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You are not the condemned. You are the ones that have been placed in right standing with Almighty God. You serve a mighty God and He has placed a crown of favor and glory upon your head. Hallelujah. And so just like Mephibosheth, you may be temporarily disabled, but I got a word for you today. You have an enablement that comes from the throne of God. Perhaps in life, you have become disappointed by circumstances and situations, but God has a divine appointment for you. You may have been despised and hated by man, but you are loved and highly esteemed by God. Amen. And so we see then that after Saul and Jonathan and all his brothers were killed in battle, David took the throne. And he has not forgotten a covenant that he made with Jonathan. Jonathan and David had made a covenant, which we'll look at in just a moment. And so what does David do? David takes the initiative and he seeks anyone out of the house of Saul. This reminds me of how Jesus has taken the initiative and the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth. Why is that? Because he wants to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward them. Amen. You do understand that you've got a covenant with God. And the covenant keeping God says, my covenant, I will not break. Nor will I alter the things that I have for you. The things that are in store for you. I'm a covenant keeping God and I'm on the watch for you. Turn to your neighbor and say this, the king is looking for you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, the king is looking for you. And so here's a little background about David and Jonathan. David and Jonathan had kindred spirits. David and Jonathan were cut off. And actually, David and Jonathan were were such close friends that they literally made a covenant with one another. In 1 Samuel chapter 20, let's look at this just for a moment. And notice with me in verse 14 in 1 Samuel chapter 20. It says, And thou shalt not only, while I yet live, show me the kindness of the Lord that I die not. So Jonathan is talking to David, and this is what he is saying to him. In verse 15, it says, But also shalt thou not cut off thy kindness. Everyone say kindness. So kindness is a covenant word. You will not cut off your kindness from my house for how long? 
This covenant is forever. In spite of Saul dying, in spite of Jonathan dying, no, not when the Lord hath cut off the enemies of David, every one from the face of the earth. So Jonathan, what did he make with him? He made a covenant with the house of David saying, let the Lord even require it at the hand of David's enemies. And Jonathan, verse 17, caused David to swear again because he loved him, for he loved him even as his own soul. And so I want you to to see the picture. Mephibosheth is hiding. He's in exile, but he's destined for the throne. And David sets out to find anyone that might be left out of the house of Jonathan that he might do good to him. That he might keep the covenant that he had made with him. And so this is the scene and this is the picture. So I want you to look with me in 2 Samuel chapter 9. And we'll notice something very interesting here. In 2 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 1. Everyone shout, the king's looking for me. You know what? Some of you are going to be shouting a lot louder during the Super Bowl. I know you might just be waking up, and that's all right. But let's say it one more time with a little bit more vim, vigor, and vitality. <laughs> say it with me. The king, the king is a-looking for me. Yeah. And he's not looking for you to put you down. He's looking for you to bring you up. Glory to God. He's looking for you because he's got a blessing for you. Amen. In 2 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 1, it says, And David said, Is there not yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now notice with me in verse 2. And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. Strange names, right? And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. Verse 3. And the king said... Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show kindness of God unto the him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan yet has a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto him, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amuel, and Lodabar. So it's one, it's almost, it's bad enough to be in Lodabar. A dry place. But to live in the house of Machir? You know what the word Machir means? Machir literally means salesman. In other words, he's crippled, living in the desert, and he's been sold a bill of goods. They're telling him, one day David's coming for you. I can just about imagine they were looking out and every time they'd hear a noise on the outside, they'd wonder if it was David's soldiers. They were so fearful that their knees were literally knocking because they had the fear of death. And you know, there's a lot of people like that today. They are so religiously brainwashed instead of New Testament taught that they're literally afraid of our good, good father. 
I'm telling you, if the world just knew how good our Father really is, they would run to Him. They wouldn't run for him, from Him. They wouldn't be hiding over in Lodabar with their knees knocking together. Oh, glory to God. They'd run to Him just like the prodigal son of old came home and the Father opened up His arms and said, Son, come on home. Amen. And you know, there's prodigals out there, even in the church. There's prodigals, people that have gotten out of church. They've gotten out of fellowship with God because of a bad circumstance, because of a bad situation. We could say it this way. Some people have become lame in their feet. Not necessarily lame in their feet, but lame in their walk with God. And they become crippled on the ladder of spiritual growth because of a bad situation. I prophesy by the word of the living God that the prodigals are coming home. People are coming back into fellowship with God. People are coming back into a revelation and an understanding of just how good our good, good father is. Come on, somebody. And that's part of the harvest that we're going to be praying about. That's part of the harvest that we're calling in. We're calling in people that once sat at the king's table, but all of a sudden they got out of fellowship with God and the devil sold them a bill of goods out there in Lodabar. But we're calling them in and God's hand is going to come upon them and restore fellowship to them. Hallelujah. So he's crippled, living in the desert, being sold a bill of goods, being told the the reason you live in this dump is because of David. The reason you're lame in your feet is because of David. David did this to you. And the boy grew up hating and fearing the household of David. But I want you to know, here's the true story. Like Paul Harvey said, here's the rest of the story. Some of you don't even know who he is. Never mind. Second <laughs> Samuel chapter 9. And I want you to notice uh, verse 5 and 6 of Second Samuel uh, chapter 9. Amen. It says, the, the, Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machar, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered, Behold thy servant. And so because of his horrific fear, he says, I will be your servant. Now notice verse 7 and verse 8. And let's read it together for a little participation this morning. Ready? Read. Verse 7. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. I'll stop right there. <laughs> that... First of all, don't be afraid. How many of you know God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind? And even though you may have been ripped off for a number of years, I'm telling you by the word of the Lord, we serve a God who restores. I said we serve a God who restores. And then notice with me, you will eat bread at my table. How often? Well, for Thanksgiving at least. 
for some of the Jewish holidays. Come on over and we'll, we'll throw you some crumbs off the table. No, he said, you come, even though someone may have to carry you to the table, you come and you're going to eat bread at my table continually. Yay, hallelujah. He prepares a table before us right in the presence of our enemies. God's got a table set for you and set for me. Come and dine. Come and dine. The master's calling. Come and dine. Amen? Amen. And so we see then, Mephibosheth is just, I mean, he's, he's fearful. And he can hardly believe what he's hearing. I could hardly believe the revelation knowledge that came to me as a young man about certain truths in the Word of God. It was like, really? Wow. God did that for me? I'm the righteousness of God in Christ? I'm a new creation? Oh, man. In verse 8, it says, And he bowed himself and said, what is thy servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I am? Don't you know that Mephibosheth saw himself that way? But that's not the way the king saw him. The king saw him as a covenant child, a covenant son. And there are so many people that see themselves the wrong way. God doesn't see according to the flesh. He sees us according to who we are in Christ. He doesn't see your past. He only sees the sacrifice of his son and the blood that has been shed for you, that cleanses you and frees you from your past. That's such good news. And so he said that you should look upon such a dead dog as me. And so David removes the fears of Mephibosheth. He said, don't fear. Don't fear. Because I'm going to show you kindness. I'm going to restore to you everything that your father Jonathan deserved. Say it with me, I'm going to eat at the, bread of the, at the table of the Lord continuously. What's happening here? He is giving Mephibosheth the honor of a close relationship with the king. Not nice. What is your servant? Verses 9 through 12, and I want us to read that, if you would, please. Ready, read in verse 9. Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertain to Saul and to all his house. Say it with me, that's restoration. Now read verse 10. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Wow. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Once you come out of darkness into the kingdom of God, how many of you know that faith becomes, in a sense, your servant? How many of you know that the angels of the Lord are encamped around about you and they are sent forth to minister for them who are heirs of salvation? So these folks are literally going to work on Mephibosheth's behalf. Verse 12, read that with me. And Mephibosheth had a young son 
whose name was Micah, and all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants to Mephibosheth. Oh, glory to God. Look at with me in verse 13. Are you ready to shout? Verse 13 says, So Mephibosheth, he dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both of his feet. Hallelujah. So listen to this very carefully. Let's draw some analogies from this before that we receive communion today. Was this not the grace of God in action? Was this not only the grace of God, but the mercy of God in action? We see a very powerful truth, a very powerful parallel to many of our lives. You see, David's grace to Mephibosheth is a wonderful picture of God's grace to you and God's grace to me. You see, we were hiding. We were poor. We were weak. We were lame and we were fearful before the king came. We were separated from our king. We were separated from our king because of our deliberate actions. We separated ourselves from the king because we didn't know his love for us. But thank God our king sought us out. And the king's kindness is extended to us for the sake of another. The king's kindness toward you is based on covenant. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Hallelujah. The king restores and returns to us. Amen. Everything in his will. And so you and I have the privilege of sitting at the king's table. Amen. Amen. Now David's grace to Mephibosheth is also a pattern for us in serving and ministering to others. Listen very carefully. We're like David. We should love our enemies and seek to bless them. Anytime you talk about loving your enemies, it just gets extra quiet. But did you know it's scriptural to love your enemies? You know what Jesus said to do with your enemies? He said, love them. He said, pray for them. Pray for my enemies. Are you kidding me? I've got a lot of other things I can pray about. I'm not going to pray for my enemies. Well, if you're a Christian and you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you'll do what Jesus said. So he said, love your enemies. Pray for them with despitefully use you and persecute you. Do good to them and bless them. Did you know that there's power in blessing your enemies? Because as you give blessing out of a pure heart, you cannot help but receive blessing. In the Sermon on the Mount, here's what Jesus said. He said, blessed are the merciful. What are the merciful going to obtain? The merciful will always obtain mercy. Has anyone in this auditorium this morning needed mercy at some time in their life? Amen. Well, if you want to come to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find help and obtain grace in your time of need, it's a good thing to be a merciful person. Somebody says, yeah, but they said bad things about me. Stop living according to what people are saying about you in this temporal life. 
Amen? Amen. Go back to the eternal truths of God's Word. It doesn't matter what they say or have said about you. What matters is what God said and continues to say about you. Amen? And so, be merciful. Be loving. Be compassionate. Just like David was. Amen? I also believe that we're like David in this, and we, we're, we're doing a decent job on it, but we're going to come up more. I believe we should look for the poor. We should look for the weak. We should look for the lame. Those that are hidden. Those that are crushed by life. And we should do our very best to bless them. And here's another one. Well, I don't mind blessing people that are nice to me. And I don't, you know, I don't mind... Uh -uh. Jesus doesn't put any conditions on it. We should be willing to bless people that don't deserve blessing. Look at yourself in the past. You didn't deserve anything. We didn't deserve anything. But God in His grace and His mercy blessed us anyway. Hallelujah. And some of you rascals today are blessed in spite of yourself. And I can raise up both hands on that. Amen. So we should bless others when they don't deserve it. And bless them more than they deserve. And then we should bless others for the sake of someone else. Amen. Show kindness, the love of God to everyone that we can come in contact with. Amen. Say it with me. The king, the king. has found me. Lift up your hands and say, Lord, Lord I, thank so I thank you so much that you've carried me, carried me to, the to the table, that you have delivered me from the power of darkness, and you took me and put me into your kingdom and into your family. Thank you, Lord, for restoring unto me all that the enemy has stolen from me. I declare this morning, the Lord is restoring me in my spirit, in my soul, in my body, in my finances, and in my relationships. I shout, restore. I charge the atmosphere. Of my life with the great grace and words of faith. And I say restore.